I don't really know how to start shows. Come on now, don't start, don't start liking me now. So yeah, I'm funny compared to you know. Well, you'll see later. I stand for my I know a lot of fucking idiots. I think a lot of shit is mean spirited just because it goes against what they believe. But the relief of comedy is it takes things that aren't funny and it allows us to laugh about them for an hour. <laughs> we got a purple suit to buy and a gigantic coffin. Why are you laughing? Evening, everybody. Hope you can hear me this time. Uh, welcome to another episode of Why Are You Laughing, a history of comedy podcast. Uh, today, not in the vaulted podcast studios again, and we won't be for a while. But today, I'm pleased to introduce to you the late, great Robert Schimmel, who is uh, not necessarily a guy you guys may have heard of, but uh, one of my favorites from when I was a kid and very underrated. So I've been uh, you know, eager to do an episode about him since we started this. And uh, just me and Craig today, like I said, no vaulted podcast studios. We, uh, you can hear me now, right? We can hear you loud and clear. We're doing Thank great. God. We never had these kind of problems at vaulted. That's all I'll <laughs> say. Uh, so you were, you weren't familiar with Robert Schimmel, right? No, I, I recognize him, but uh, that's about it. Yeah. And that's kind of the career he had. And he's really the, one of the greatest stereotypes I can think of for the, you know, kind of down on his luck road comic. And now I think if he had lived another, you know, 10, 12 years, uh, he would have had a comic uh, podcast where he just bitches about the industry <laughs> because, <laughs> because they never found a role for him for whatever reason, you know, kind of a comics comic type of guy. Um, but I always found him very funny. And I, I think from Howard Stern is probably how I found him. Uh, just stumbled upon him when I was young. So I was like, oh, this guy must be huge if I, you know, found him somehow. But then as I grew up, like anytime I mentioned Robert Schimmel, no one knew who the fuck I was talking about. <laughs> and then uh, like, as I was looking into it, I thought certainly there were, he had done things that maybe I hadn't heard of, but really the only reason he lives on is through his stand up, which we'll play some clips later and the Howard Stern show, everything else he's been uh, cut out of, or uh, just hadn't gotten opportunities, or uh, he had a sitcom that was, you know, kind of cut short. He also had uh, his 11-year-old son died of cancer. Uh, he had a heart attack in the late 90s, followed by getting non-Hodgkin's lymphoma. He had to go through chemotherapy. He lost a testicle. Um, then in 2010, I believe, 2009 or 2010, um, he was diagnosed with cirrhosis, uh, which evolved from hepatitis C that he got from, uh, I think when he was in the Air Force, he spent like a year in the Air Force. And none of the things that I just listed are how he died. So we'll get to that. But he, yeah, he was kind of the, like, the picture of this, like, miserable guy who never really got a shot. I shouldn't say miserable guy, because um, like on Howard Stern, he was always fun and everything, but just uh, on paper, Sort of a guy that was down on his luck. You know what I mean? Yeah. yeah the, t the, um, the complainer in the corner type. Yeah, yeah. And I'm sure, although, you know what's funny is, um, I guess when he died, uh, Dane Cook tweeted out that uh, uh, when R Dane's parents got sick, Robert called him and like gave him advice and asked how he was and all that type of stuff. And the only reason I mentioned that is because he seems to me like a guy that really would have bitched about Dane Cook's success. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but apparently he was not that guy necessarily. Um, like a Kevin Brennan type. A, li a little bit, but not quite. I think more his misery was more 
focused on his marriage and his personal life and things like that, um, which we'll we'll get to a lot of. But all the like I said, all the clips that I have for you today are from the Howard Stern show and from his standup. Um, because other than that, he's been cut out a lot of things and, and, uh, never had a real shot. So we'll start with the Howard Stern show. And I think right out of the gate, he tells us a little bit about his, uh, family dynamic, which was very strange. I, I'm surprised you even have another kid. I thought you had a bad marriage. What? Yeah, on and off. But no, this is gonna, this is gonna be the cement that's gonna really, uh. Wait a minute, haven't they like divorced and remarried and stuff? Yeah. Like that? Four times. Bob's, yeah, Bob's thinking that like if they have a baby, you know how they tell you never have a kid to try to fix your marriage? Right. So Bob's gonna do it. He just it. But they have other kids. Yeah. Well, that's what they say, but that's why I'm going to name this kid Bondo. And, and, and Bob, you're no spring chicken, right? I mean, you're like, what are you? Uh, now I'm in my uh, late 40s. Right? And how old's your wife? What's the age gap? She's, she just turned uh, 43. Man. What's the age gap with the kids? What's the age gap? My oldest one is 20. And I think he had two kids after this was recorded. <laughs> so Shimble was just cranking out kids, but the funniest part there is... Uh, his first wife, he had two wives, but went through like four divorces. <laughs> his first wife, they had their marriage annulled. They were legally separated uh, and they were divorced at least once. So, yeah, that, uh, it adds up to the four separations, I guess, however you chop that up. Um, but that, I think, is another good barometer of the misery that he felt that kind of fueled a lot of his comedy, you know? Oh, yeah. Um, and... I, I would describe his stand-up. He's an interesting mix of like, as I was going back and watching old clips, I was trying to think of, uh, you know, obvious inspirations or, you know, who, who influenced him and people he influenced. And the best I could come up with, it was, he's kind of a mix of like Woody Allen, Gary Shandling and Jim Norton. Like I'd be curious if Norton was a big shimmel guy because you see a lot, there's his act is definitely very dirty. Mm-hmm. which probably led to him not getting a lot of uh, network stuff and things like that. Um, but he also has like a lot of observational material and he's a little, a little, there's a nebbishy side to him. Like even the sexual stuff is very self-deprecating and uh, that sort of thing, which is like right up my alley, you know, like that's kind of the perfect mix of a guy I was looking for um, when I was a kid. But uh, he, he he would talk about like he never got uh, Leno or Letterman, but then there's also an element. Then this is the, this is the case of not even necessarily Schimmel, but a lot of guys who aren't as successful as they think they should be. They kind of come up with reasons why they're not successful. Like I heard a clip of uh, Schimmel saying, "Like I ne- I've never been on Letterman, never been on Leno. I was on Conan once, and uh, he goes, I told a joke, this joke, yeah, dirty joke, and they never asked me back after that. But then he tells the joke, and it's like, I, I can't see Conan banning you for this. The joke was essentially that um, he went to the uh, dentist and got put under anesthesia, and the doctor said, okay, Robert, you're going to feel a little prick in your mouth. And Robert said, all right, Doc, well, you're going to have to crank that up, <laughs> <laughs> which seems like a fairly innocuous joke. That doesn't seem like something that would get you kicked off Conan. So it is kind of funny to hear these guys come up with reasons why uh, the industry doesn't necessarily want them. You I, you would have to say some pretty horrible shit to get kicked off Conan. I would think, right? Considering all the stuff, you know, Norm has done, like, uh, 
Conan's not a, uh, a tight-laced guy necessarily. No, no, he prefers the people say that kind of shit anyway and apologize later. Yeah, I, I'm actually surprised he wasn't back because I would think Conan would like a weirdo like Schimmel, you know? Yeah. Right up um. All right. So what's the uh, what's the next clip? Bud Freeman. Oh yeah. So this is a guy. I'm not keep, keeping with the trend of kind of down on his luck. Uh, this is how Robert Schimmel got into comedy. Bud Freeman saw him in uh, Arizona. And then uh, take it away, Robert. Bud Freeman. Uh, <laughs> so what did Bud do? Like Bud let you get up in front of for free or something in front he of was like the first guy that it was it was him that actually told me to move out. To our, well, he said calling for spots and the and I was that was the first time I went on stage and that's when I went home and told my wife we're gonna quit my job and I'm gonna move out to LA. I mean, and, you get, you get there, and the place had burnt down. <laughs> <laughs> so again another great metaphor <laughs> for robert although like i think that kind of suits his personality like i couldn't find anything of him talking about that on stage but i think he in in a lot of ways did kind of revel at least artistically revel in his misery so it's like that suits him you know yeah um Let's keep going. We get into, by the way, we'll, you know, kind of build Robert's uh, career and talk about that stuff. But we get into one of the wildest stories I've heard play out on radio. So we're working our way there. Yeah, this next one's uh, labeled Son's Penis. <laughs> yeah, I think this is just a good, uh, you know, measurement of Robert's uh, sense of humor. <laughs> then, uh, they do, but we, we go down to fun, and the pediatrician takes off my son's diaper. I swear I'm not making this up. And the guy goes, Mr. Schimmel, your son's penis is too big to do here. We got to go to the hospital and do it. Is that true? Yeah, he said that I've been doing it for, he said I've been doing circumcisions for 16 years. This is only the second penis I've ever seen like this. Oh, my God. I don't stop the right size thing to do it here. Oh, my God. So we have to go to the hospital, and. Who's the father? Got out because. Nurses from other departments were volunteering to assist in the circumcision. Wow. Can you imagine your penis needs major surgery? Your baby's penis. Are you, are you? Obviously, it skipped a generation. That's what I was going to say. Are you small? Yeah. Oh, no. Are you proud or do you feel like, oh, man. I'm going to take a full page out on the trades. <laughs> I believe, uh, I believe Howard followed that up later with, is this the son that replaced your other kid? <laughs> Referring to the one that died of cancer. So <laughs> those were, those are the days on Stern. <laughs> You can also, and that's, that. you know, that's what Stern did where you can also kind of consider this a Howard Stern episode. I had someone um, reach out to me recently and say that they liked the OJ on Stern episode. Are, we, are you thinking of doing any more episodes about Stern? And we'll definitely do a bunch. But, uh, you know, at some point, try and spread them out a little bit. But the reason this one is stern, so Stern heavy, like I said, is that's kind of why Schimmel has a name. And I think that was the case with a lot of guys, uh, whether it be Opie and Anthony or Howard Stern, you know, the reason we know them is because this radio show gave them a platform that uh, Hollywood certainly would not have. Um, even to the point where uh, in that interview that we just listened to that uh, phone call, Schimmel was calling into the Stern show to basically ask them, he was uh, up for some comedy award that I think Comedy Central was doing. And he was against like Carlos Mencia and Pablo Francisco and that, that, that ilk. 
and uh, he was in last place at the time. So he called in to Stern and obviously rocketed to the top. He won whatever poll they were doing. And Comedy Central had to change the way they measured the award due to what they called unfair lobbying, <laughs> which was the uh, the impact that Howard had at the time, obviously. Uh, all right. So what's next? First divorce. All right. Yeah. So, I mean, there's a, there's a plenty of these stories. Robert's love life was uh, pretty wild, if you want to call it that. But let's hear a little bit about the first one. Publicity. Did you have a legal what? separation when you guys got uh, separated? We were divorced. You were divorced. You didn't know your parents were divorced? I, I have cousins my age and they all knew and they were just told not to tell me. <laughs> One day I'm listening to the, a radio show and all of a sudden I'm like, oh. Dude, your father's weird, man. Yeah, no, we were married and we were married for about six months. That's how it started. We got married. Well, here's what happened. We wanted to get married. Her parents said no. Right. No way. You're not ready to get married. And I said, hey, they're not going to tell us what to do. So to punish them, right. we got married. Right. And I'm still punishing them 23 years later. So you got married and then you got divorced. When was the first time? No, first we got annulled six months later. All right. That was the annulment. Look at She's like in shock here, kid. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> was she around when you were Oh, not then. No, 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 no. Yeah, no she okay. wasn't even conceived yet. Okay. So you got annulled. Yes. And then you decided to get back together. You had to get remarried. How long yeah. before you got remarried after the annulment? About a year. We started seeing each other again and then uh, and then uh, we got married secretly in Las Vegas. <laughs> but then she still stayed with her parents and I stayed with my parents and then she got pregnant with Jess and one day when she was starting the show her mother said, you know, what's with you? And she said, you know, I'm like four months pregnant and she right. said, pregnant? And my wife said, it's not what you think, Bob right. and I are married. Right, right. And she said, what are you living at home for? Yeah, right. <laughs> so, so uh, there's a lot there that I should uh, address. Um, a, he hit the triple crown of uh, horrible marriages with one woman. It was pretty impressive. <laughs> but also the uh, female voice that you heard there, other than Robin, was obviously Bob's daughter, Jess, uh, his oldest oldest child, I believe. Um, oh, obviously, based on what he said there. <laughs> but uh, the... A very interesting thing about her being on the show was it kind of leads to the segment that I was talking about earlier where uh, Robert comes in to Howard one day to get, promote his gigs and talk about getting uh, kicked off Hollywood squares, which we'll talk about. And uh, his daughter was with him and he says, I guess I should bring my daughter in. She had this one story she was going to tell and that's all. But it seems very naive to not think that Howard would, uh, you know, poke at that a little bit. Uh, there was a good interaction between them, though, where Howard asks uh, Robert if his daughter will get in a bikini. And Robert said, absolutely, if you bring your daughter in. <laughs> and Howard goes, well, let's call this one a standoff. <laughs> but <laughs> but uh, Robert was a guy you can tell. And I don't know how much he was in on it where he knew she was going to, you know, tell a little more than the, this one story about her boyfriend selling his underwear, which they never got to, by the way, because because of the other stuff uh, his daughter's about to bring up. But you can tell in every appearance of Schimmel on Howard, uh, you can definitely tell that he's like, well, this is my shot. This is my home. This is where I'm building my audience. So I have to play along. Like, I have to give these people something. And at least the, you know, clips that I've heard, and most of it is on YouTube, um, he, he generally delivered based on a lot of his misery. Um, 
So we are going to talk about uh, his the, the story that his daughter tells. I think we mix in a couple of his, um, uh, the things he's been cut out of. So I don't know if that's coming next or not. Uh, we got cheating. Oh, yeah. So let's hear a little bit, a bit about that first. So, yeah. Oh, the other weird thing from that clip was uh, they didn't tell their daughter they were divorced for a while. And like Robert just wasn't at the house for months on end. And I guess as a kid, she was like, Oh, I mean, he's a comedian. He travels. That must be why he's not around. <laughs> so they had a very, very strange family, but this is uh, some of the hijinks that Robert got into. Your daughter. I, you know, one time I had a fight with my wife and I said, look, if you don't like it, you don't have to be here when I get back. Not knowing that when I got back, she really wouldn't be there. <laughs> Literally. All the stuff was gone. Yeah. There was a note saying goodbye. Right. I finally, I finally, you know, after hearing it on the radio, I took my mom out one night and I got her, gave her some wine. She's a little tipsy. Right. I started I don't asking know her about this stuff, you know, saying, well, where was this? And she's like, oh, we were separated. And he, I got into the car because I, we were supposed to go on a date and there were wine glasses and women's underwear in the car for <laughs> someone else. Oh. Oh, 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 man, Bob. You sold your wedding ring to buy wine for this girl. Is that true? And so now I didn't see that. It. it was at a pawn shop. I could have got it back. <laughs> He's, you hear in his voice there, too, where he goes, I don't know this story. You can hear the panic starting to set in. Yeah. Where he's like, okay, she's a little more comfortable than I expected her to be on the show. <laughs> she's, she's like a vet. <laughs> yeah, right. She got right into it. But, uh, and by the way, you know, in comparison to other episodes we've done, I realize like some of you, especially the ones that have no idea who Robert Shim was, are probably thinking this is very narrow. Like, you know, I went through a few interviews and a few of his stand, I mean, I went through all his stand up specials, but I have a few of his stand up clips. Um, and that's because that's how I found Robert Schimmel. So because he's kind of an unknown guy, like we'll talk a lot about his life, but I also kind of wanted to present what, uh, you know, what charmed me into liking him for lack of a better term. So I hope this kind of leads to some people going into a uh, Robert Schimmel deep dive on YouTube. Um, so what's next from this uh, illustrious Stern interview? This is called Great Excuses. Oh, he's the best. He's the he's the he was the master of uh, coming up with excuses that clearly no one would believe, which almost makes you think that they're real. Uh, but this is an example. Right. What happened with the diaphragm? No, we were separated. But right. My wife and I were trying to reconcile. Okay. She lived in a different apartment. Right. And I lived in this place. And I went out with this. Not went out. We went to play racquetball. He's got to get the story straight. No. Yes. <laughs> We used to play racquetball with a comedian. We played racquetball with this with this female comedian, what and we used to write together. It was a, but and she popped her diaphragm out. Of course, it was. Uh, <laughs> no, it was in the afternoon. Right. We played racquetball, right? And then she came back to the apartment, and she said, "Listen, she had an acting class, and she said, is it okay if I shower before I go over there?'" Yeah. And I said, "Okay, <laughs> yeah, I'll so, watch." And how's the diaphragm wind up on the ninth hand? And she was, she was a pretty good actress because she acted like Carl Lewis and ran out of there very fast, and my wife barged in. Right. So you're telling me. No, she came out of the shower wearing my wife's robe, and my wife just happened to come over to say, look, I really want things to work, and there's the girl dripping right in front of her. <laughs> and she ran out, and I told my wife, it's not what you think. We were playing racquetball, and I went to pick up the girl's pocketbook to give it to her, and her diaphragm case fell out. Uh, my wife said, that guess, always happens. Yeah, she said, is this one of the rackets? <laughs> right. And, uh, <laughs> So, and that, like, when you listen to Schimmel with Howard, Howard obviously does a great job of, like, you know, uh, questioning him and following up on some of these stories. 
And the way Shibble tells a lot of these stories and uh, throws these excuses out, it's like, even as the audience that's only hearing his side, you don't quite believe him because he's not even completely trying to sell you on it. Right. It's like you were, you were definitely cheating on your wife, right? That's what was happening here. <laughs> <laughs> so, so that's the kind of, uh, uh, you know, charm that he has. And I think it says a lot about him also. That, and it speaks to the weirdness I was mentioning. Like, don't forget his daughter is sitting right next to him. Who's only, I think, 20 or 21 at the time when they're doing this interview. So his daughter's sitting right next to him. He's talking about cheating on his wife and being with these other women and things like that. It's a very bizarre uh, uh, dynamic, which you can kind of see why, you know, Hollywood maybe didn't understand this guy, you know, because you couldn't necessarily categorize him as any one thing. Like he has a, uh, we'll talk a little later. He did get a sitcom deal, but I don't know that I could see him as a, traditional sitcom dad or maybe I could, but I don't know that it would have been the best role for him. You know what I mean? Like yeah. now it would be very easy to put him to, to kind of find a role in a, you know, a single cam like FX or HBO style comedy. But I think it would have been, uh, you know, a misuse of his personality to just make him a wacky, you know, multi-cam sitcom dad. Could have made him a sitcom dad if he played someone similar to like what he like these stories he's telling. <laughs> yeah, toned down version of himself, I guess. Yeah, yeah, I yeah, right. That. But just, I, yes, right. They would have had to find that role. It couldn't just be like you know your regular dopey family man. You know. Yeah, he's not. Um, he's not playing uh, uh, Pete Holmes's character in that bowling show. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Well, I guess neither is Pete Holmes, but. You get yeah. Well, so, so I might as well just say it since we're talking about it. He uh, he did get a sitcom with Fox, I believe, in 2008 or nine. Uh, oh, no, you know what? It might have been before that, actually, because he says after that, he was uh, it was when he was diagnosed with cancer, um, which is why he lost the sitcom or ended the sitcom because he wasn't in good enough health to uh, do it. I think the pilot is somewhere on the Internet. It might even be on YouTube. But uh, fun fact, Brie Larson played his daughter. So maybe it would have been maybe it would have been great. Who knows? <laughs> um, all right. What's next? Uh, Hollywood Squares. OK. Yeah. So now this starts off with this is discussing things he's uh, been kicked out of or kicked off of or edited out of. Um, and this was his Hollywood Squares appearance um, from back. In, and now Hollywood Squares, don't forget, I, I think we played a clip in the Gilbert episode, right? Sure did. You forget that was that was like a pretty big deal back in the day. Like I remember that oh, yeah. was on. I think that was on. At least this is my memory of it. Being on, like you know, on one channel you had Jeopardy every night, and on another channel you had Hollywood Squares at seven o'clock. Um, that's how I remember it being at the time. I don't know if that's the case, but it was a big deal when they rebooted it with like Whoopi Goldberg and all these characters. So they bring Robert Schimmel in, and uh, this is what got him booted. Sitting next to Whoopi, and the question was, if you're reaching for your mashie or your niblick, what activity are you involved in? And I said, playing Twister with Louie Anderson. <laughs> and the grid started laughing, and all of a sudden, they stopped tape, and there was a huddle. And uh, <laughs> Really? They stopped tape? And the people were talking, and there were little Louie Films family feud there. Mm. And, uh, and they 
and they, 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 they had a discussion. See, when I did it, they just edited everything out right, of the set. No well, that's why I don't know what's going to happen. So then they came back and they said, we're going to ask you another question. So All right, said, so okay. they stopped tape and they got rid of that question and they said, we're starting a new one. They said, the term a pig in the poke refers to what? And I said, spending the night with Louis Anderson. <laughs> and uh, Adam Carolla was sitting up above me and I heard him stamping his feet on the thing. <laughs> So, so uh, alluding to some things, by the way, when we talked about Louis Anderson, some things Louis may not have wanted out there at the time, because uh, that wasn't allowed. For, it's, it's amazing to think back, you know, 20 years later or whatever, uh, your game show hosts weren't allowed to be gay. <laughs> it's a very, a very strange thought process the country had, but uh, very funny. And again, that, that stuff like that is why I think had Schimmel been alive today, and now he would have been a much older man if he were alive, so maybe this isn't the case. But, you know, if he were kind of in his prime today, um, I think he would have fit in a lot better in this era because people would have found something for him. And I think it would have been relatively easy now to find something for him because he's not, you know, so filthy that he could never be on television or anything like that. You know, I think he was just a little bit weird. And, you know, Hollywood, what they just did. I don't think they did any work to find anything for, you know? Right. Um, so that was, by the way, edited. I don't think they can completely edit him out of Hollywood squares, but uh, at least the good stuff, I believe, was cut out. <laughs> and then um, Comedy Central, like we know now the Comedy Central roasts, they've had, you know, Trump and Rob Lowe and James Franco and Saget and all these people. But they started with just airing the Friars Club roasts. Yep. And so uh, I guess because King of Queens started, I don't know what the occasion was necessarily, but uh, Jerry Stiller was a member of the Friars Club forever. And they said, we're going to roast him. And uh, so this Bob Schimmel was invited. That's kind of a big opportunity because it was televised on Comedy Central. And so this was Bob's experience with the Jerry Stiller roast. So I was on there. What did, what did I say? Oh, I said that Jerry Stiller's a very nice guy. Right. And that he's always, no matter where he's been in his career, he's helped, uh, had a helping hand for other comics. And one day, this comic came over to him in a club and said, Mr. Stiller, I'm a big fan of yours. And I've been doing comedy for about eight years, and I can't seem to get anywhere. And you know, if there's anything you can do to help me. And the Jerry said that if you let me uh, perform some kind of uh, oral... Uh, Oh. Thank you, Jeff. <laughs> right. That's okay, Palacio. <laughs> on you, that I'll give you, you know, that I'll I'll do everything I can to help you. And right. the comedian said yes, and that comic today is Ellen DeGeneres. Well, that that uh, did not go over. No, no, nobody liked that. No. <laughs> <laughs> because it was a trick joke. Because I used a word in there that would make people believe that it really was going to be a guy I was right. talking about. Right. Yeah, you fooled them. But I'm out. So no. then here's what happens. They tell, they cut you out of the entire roast, and they say that it was because of time that. The show ran too long, and they had they to. They had play. to eliminate you completely yeah. right. because of time. But, uh, but the, the bad part is, I was in the pre-show, uh, the party, the pre-roast party interview stuff. So people are seeing me on that, thinking, you "Hey, you're going to be on there," and right, then I'm right. never on. Uh, there you go. Well, that's that's, that's unreal. The story of your life is what. It is. And I was so I went back. The ro that roast is on YouTube as well. And I went back and watched, skimmed through it to see if Schimmel was in it. And there's a little clip where he appears in the very beginning. You can spot him. But that's it, <laughs> which is very weird. Which is also funny because I, I'm sure they edited it out. But like in the roast of uh, Louis J. Gomez, 
um, that I attended. Ari Shafir was on the on the dais, but when they released it on YouTube, he didn't want to be a he didn't know they were going to release it anywhere, so he didn't want to be a part of it. So he wouldn't let Lewis uh, release Ari's uh, chunk of the roast. So if you're watching it for the first time and know nothing about this, you're seeing every comic go up and make a joke about Ari Shafir, and Ari Shafir never goes up. <laughs> if you have gas digital, I think you can see him. Okay, good. So go, go find that. That's where I saw it, and I did yeah. see him. I hated right. that roast. Well, I enjoyed it, but that's neither here nor there. <laughs> uh, my point is, it's very funny that Schimmel just keeps getting cut out of these things. Uh, I think there's something he did for VH1 that he was edited out of. Like, the guy just had a bad... I, I, to use a Stern reference, he had the same luck as Eric the actor, quite honestly, <laughs> is that everything, everything he had just failed, it seemed like. Um, except for stand-up, which I think like in the 80s and 90s, you know, I know you had the comedy boom in the 80s and everything, but, uh, you know, you could carve out a career as just a stand-up, but it wasn't viewed as in any high regard, really. You know what I mean? Like if you were just a stand-up, then you were not a celebrity. Right. You were not a star by any means. Unless you had uh, a sitcom it, with it. Exactly. Yeah. You had to have a sitcom or host a late night show or a game show or something. You had to have something else to go with it. Whereas now that's not the case at all. I mean, I guess you kind of, in some ways you have to have a podcast or something like that to kind of grow your audience. But there are some guys like Jim Gaffigan who, and Brian Regan, who really just built their career doing stand up. You know, Jim Gaffigan had that show on IFC but he didn't gain notoriety through that. People watched because it was the Jim Gaffigan show. Right. You know, so I think now this era would have been a lot easier for a guy like Schimmel to thrive because he kind of was the definition of a comics comic where, you know, Colin Quinn is probably Colin Quinn and David Teller, the two guys that they say, you know, comics comic. And it really just applies because, they haven't gotten anything in the industry necessarily. I mean, obviously Colin was on SNL and had tough crowd, but neither of them lasted very long. Um, but when you look at Colin, you look at something he did like tough crowd or like cop show that was on YouTube that nobody picked up. And you think like, how could these things fail? So it doesn't really make sense that he's a comics comic. Louis CK was considered a comics comic and then obviously blew up. Whereas Schimmel, I think, that role suited him best where like, you know, maybe he could have been a late night talk show. Like he's a very good guest on Stern. Maybe he could have been a talk show host or something like that. But I think he would have just been better off in an era where, you know, you could do your stand up and become a star from that, you know? Yeah, exactly. Um, all right. So I think we get back into uh, some of the chaos that is Robert's life uh, with our next clip. Yeah. This one's called daughter's friend. Yeah, so this is this is the wild thing I was telling you about. And it's very what's very funny about this, try and keep this in mind, folks, is that Robert brought his daughter in to tell this story. Again, they never really got to it. So apparently uh Jess's daughter, Jess's boyfriend was trying to sell Robert's underwear on like eBay or something. And the reason I can't provide a lot of context is because they never really got there due to this story. So it's very funny to think of Schimmel. Well, ah, my daughter will come on. She'll be a little radio celebrity for five minutes and it'll be a fun father-daughter activity. And then his daughter brings this story up. 
Uh, Jessica, how did he even get your friend's number, and, and did your friend call you immediately and say your dad just called me, or no, no, because Jessica was there. I was there. Oh, I, I see. Just come up. You you have that. You had left the room for a few minutes. I left for you. He's such a baby. He can't be alone for a few right. seconds. You left. Him. So I left the room. You don't understand. He's screaming at the nurse saying, "You can't be like this for everyone. It's so painful." You know. Right. So it, it, was, I mean, it was. It was. Like, it was. Making me what a baby. Pain medicine. You know. And like, meanwhile, there's. Kids with cancer sitting there, like, not even completely <laughs> laughing at them. Hey, but they don't feel my pain. Never mind those kids with cancer. So she tells me, she's like, you know, I just wanted to let you know that your dad called and asked me to come by at one in the morning and keep him company. And I said, knowing, I said, but your daughter's there. Right. And he's like, it's okay, anyways. And she doesn't care. So. Wow. Did that freak you out? Uh-huh. Yeah. Yes. She didn't talk to me for a little while. Yeah. Neither did you didn't my tell wife. Your, you didn't tell your else. mom, did you? Uh-huh. Oh, oh yeah. Oh. oh, no. She showed up. <laughs> she was the friend who no, showed up. <laughs> Bob, my wife showed up at the Bob, hospital. Bob, you say this stuff like it's, like it's like, no matter It fact. happens to everyone. Right. Well, he said, he goes, but you weren't here for me. And she's like, well, we have a nine-month-old baby I had to take home and take oh, care of. Oh, that's right, you yeah. You are just disgusting. So. <laughs> you are disgusting. He's funny. Wait a minute. I, I was in surgery. You might be oh, 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 excuse me. He said he didn't like care because he might have died, and he figured he didn't care what he did before he died. <laughs> right. <laughs> Isn't that wild? She's a natural. She really, she was, she's a, she gets her storytelling from her father, it seems. But it's so funny to hear Howard in there kind of like like laughing and all like stunned by the way Robert is handling it. Because Howard at the time is a guy who's bringing in, you know, homeless midgets to do math versus strippers. And even he's shocked by how calm Robert is when he's like, yeah, you know, that's. That's what happens. I called my daughter's friend. It was no big deal. I needed company. He's like, no big deal, dude. (laughs) (laughs) What are you talking about? So Robert does say he doesn't have any memory of it, which the only reason I believe is because his daughter was also there. Mm -hmm. And they said that like, so I guess the friend ended up coming and the three of them spent the night in this hospital. (laughs) 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 So it's very weird. And I think they carried on some kind of relationship afterwards. So what Robert goes on to tell Howard and he calls him the next day with this story as well. Um, he's very frustrated because they don't have all the facts, right? So I'll tell that in a minute. Cause I don't want to step on Robert's toes, but uh, what's the next clip phone call? Yeah. So I believe this is, um, oh, we'll just let's play it. <laughs> So then I call back on Friday and I call my wife. Well, I hear first I go home and I tell my wife, okay, look, you know what? I was, I stepped over the line. I'm right. flirting with the girl. I admit it. You caught me. I mean, I'm not going to say it didn't happen. Right. I'm going to put an end to it right now. Right. And I pick up the phone and I file the Pause one second. Says, look, I can't. So this is, I believe with the same girl, I believe with the 25 year old, but this is uh, they're out of the hospital. Now he had just gotten home and this is uh, doing some online chatting of some kind. Like I think, the way you described it, I couldn't tell if it was the early days of like video chatting or just online messaging. Um, but uh, that, that's what the setup was for this. I'm not going to say it didn't happen. Right. I'm going to put an end to it right now. Right. I pick up the phone and I dial the number and I said, look, I can't. Don't call me. Just in front of your wife. Yeah. All right. Don't uh, email me. I'm not- Seems like email, but it was 99. So uh, instant messenger. Is that the end of the clip? Yeah. Is there, is there, what's the next one? Uh, looks changed. 
Okay, they, they should have gone on uh, a little longer. But the, the basically the punchline to that is that you know he makes the phone call and says, uh, you know, I can't uh, can't do this anymore. I have a wife, blah blah blah. And his wife says, uh, "May I? Let, let me talk." And she grabs the phone, and you just hear uh, at seven p.m. Toy Story. <laughs> but you just dialed movie phone and wasn't talking to anybody. <laughs> <laughs> so he was just trying to get away with another lie. He really is the the greatest as far as just horrible marriage stories go. It's, it's like he's the greatest, but he's also a pile of shit. Yeah, he is a bit of a uh, shit bag, which is why I like. Him. But uh, all right. So uh, what's the next? You said looks changed. Yeah, his looks like his looks changed. Oh right. Yes. Okay. Let's uh, let's play that. So I get home now. I don't know if you've ever had this where you've had to go to the bathroom and you can hold it because you know you're almost home. Right. Yeah. That's the way I was feeling, and it was uh, number two. It was number two, and uh, she wouldn't let you in the house. She wasn't home, and the and doors the locks, and the locks were changed. Been changed. You, you the guy drops me off. The key doesn't work. I'm walking around the house. You the go. windows unlocked. The right. garage is locked. The you're back door is locked. The sliding glass door is blocked. Right. So I had to... Uh, You're pinching your cheeks. Uh, no, my pants were down, and I was squatting in the backyard next to the two golden retrievers. So you went to the bathroom outdoors? Yep. Right in the backyard. What did and you use your paper? That's when she oh. came home. Oh, my God. She caught one. me. <laughs> she caught you defecating. Defecating in the backyard. Oh, my God. Jeez. And wow. I said I didn't have a key, and uh, she said, why didn't you go at your girlfriend's house? So... <laughs> <laughs> he said that the uh, redemption in that story, I guess, was that uh, his daughter's boyfriend uh, was the one who would like clean up their yard as far as like dog shit goes. Like they had a dog mm -hmm. and he would use the pooper scooper to clean up the dog. And uh, so he said, you know, he puffed out his chest a little knowing that his daughter's boyfriend had to clean that up, apparently. <laughs> <laughs> So, so that's the that's the type of guy that built uh, Robert Schimmel, evidently. And I, by the way, that locks changing story is, uh, I believe, the first clip. I think that's how I was introduced to Robert Schimmel. I must have just stumbled upon it on YouTube. I guess I don't really remember, but I remember that being the first story of this man who couldn't get into his home. Shitting in his yard, <laughs> and, and uh, uh, I was like, "This guy is this guy's gold." Um, <laughs> He's going uh, places. Were there any more stern clips or no? Um, we got no. I'll stand up. Yeah. So to just tie a bow on that, uh, the whole daughter, the daughter's friend fiasco. Um, he called in a couple days later uh, with a much more somber tone. So a. Uh, his, his daughter told the school there was a death in the family and that's why she wouldn't be attending for however many days. And then she goes on Howard Stern, obviously. So she had to deal with some sort of backlash from that. But also, um, his wife called him because everyone they know now heard this story about the daughter <laughs> and, uh, his defense of himself was basically that they weren't friends. It's like. Howard was under the impression that it was just some girl that like his daughter grew up with. So, you know, Robert has watched her since she was eight years old. Evidently what it was, was his daughter's current boss who was 25 at the time when his daughter was 21. Mm -hmm. So I think they like became work friends. Not that that makes it any less weird. It, but does. it does. 
it changes your mindset on it. You know what I mean? Like he's, I'm saying as far as the as far as the daughter, it doesn't make it any less weird. Yeah, he's not uh, driving her to soccer practice and then Yeah, he wasn't grooming her. Right. <laughs> yeah. So uh that was his defense, but he called in to Stern to kind of talk about the tremendous shit show that was going on in his life. Um and so you know, like we're illustrating kind of a a, a fun scumbaggery to Robert Schimmel, but there was in two thousand nine he was arrested for um a dispute with his wife. There weren't a lot of facts with that. Like I said, he was arrested. Um, so I don't know. I assume it got physical. I'm not really sure. I don't know a lot about it. Um, but he had confrontations with his, uh, second wife. So, you know, there is a dark side to Robert Schimmel that I don't know a ton about really. Um, but from a comedic standpoint, that's kind of how comedians are made. Like, I don't know if you, if you enjoy comedy, I don't know if you're going to find a lot of guys who are necessarily boy scouts. Like even Seinfeld's probably the cleanest cut comedian and he was dating a 17 year old when he was the most famous guy in the world. So, you know, everyone has their, their darkness to him, but I just wanted to play, uh, before we get out of here, a few clips of Robert's standup that I've been talking about. Cause I figured we can't, uh, you know, leave you guys hanging. I've been talking about this guy's standup. Um, so we start with a couple clips from his, um, uh, Rodney Dangerfield, young comedian special. No, right? uh, first one is called Chemo. It's oh, well, well, let's skip that one for okay. now. Let's play that after these. Um, let's play the uh, Dangerfield clips. So, so He's another guy who was helped out by Rodney Dangerfield. It feels like everyone we talk about, uh, Dice, Roseanne, um, uh, some that come to mind that we haven't talked about, like Ray Romano, got his start on there. Mm-hmm. That Dangerfield, young comedian special, is where a lot of a lot of, uh, you know, great comics got their start. And uh, this was Schimmel on there. People try a lot of weird stuff. You know, I went out with a girl once. She said, you want to have the most unbelievable orgasm in the world? No. She said, I'm going to stick a knotted rag up your ass. I said, no, you're not. <laughs> she said, no, look, look, I'm going to stick it up there, see? And just when you're ready to come, I'm going to yank it out, and it's going to be like the 4th of July. Well, I don't know about you guys, but when it comes to my ass, I don't like the word yank right off the bat. I said, you know, honey, I don't want to rag up my ass. She said, how about a string of beads? So what are you, Monty Hall? This isn't let's make a deal here. What do you mean? But I figure you only go around this crazy old world once, so what the fuck? Yeah, so I'm at the hospital getting the beads removed. <laughs> the doctor pulled the string and I came like a wildcat. <laughs> so then that that's like like I said, that's kind of the you know filthy angle of Schimmel, who by the way, I think in that this thing we're playing from HBO, he's like 38. So he's kind of one of these guys that, like I said, not that he super broke out or anything, but he gained a lot more notoriety in his, uh, I mean, I would say forties and fifties, even more than his thirties. Um, so he, uh, this joke, by the way, Oh, no, this, I lost my train of thought. I'm sorry. Um, that's what I wanted to say. That's where I feel like a guy like Norton was influenced by Schimmel. You can hear a little bit of that. Like, 
I would describe it almost as like eighties filthy. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like if you're going to be on HBO in the eighties, that's the version of filthy um, that was passable at that time, I think. But he also had, like, I think the joke right after that is he talks about, uh, he goes, why, why are uh, asteroids called asteroids and hemorrhoids called hemorrhoids? Because I guess that would make a proctologist an astronaut. <laughs> so he has like Hedberg type, you know, observational shit as well. And all like very self-deprecating stuff. So he's a little like, as far as style, I guess you could say all over the place, but he, I think found a good way to refine it. Mm-hmm. So um, I take it back. I just real, I just remembered this next joke is how I discovered uh, Robert Schimmel. <laughs> you feel personally uh, attacked. <laughs> <laughs> yes. It's about my people, but um, comedy central, if you remember in the early two thousands made a list of the hundred greatest standups and they aired it in like four parts or something on comedy central. And Robert Schimmel was on that list. He was like somewhere in the seventies, I think, which it, it was, it's an interesting list because they have guys like Schimmel on there who, who you're like, oh, wow. Maybe they had some respect for like underrated comics, but they also had like Jim Brewer on there. So it's like, I, I don't know. Were they just pulling people who were around at the time? It was a very weird list, I thought. Mm. Um, but anyways, uh, the clip, one of the clips they showed when they were talking about Schimmel was uh, this joke that attacks my people. It was very hurtful. How do blind people know when they're done wiping their ass? He's the originator of that one. (laughs) Honey, could you come here for a minute? I need you to proofread something for me. I just think that was so the word proofread I yeah. love in that content. I need you to proofread something for me. That's very funny. <laughs> but that is, uh, you know, that holds a place near and dear in my heart because I get that question all the time. And to the point where, like, it, at least in the blind community, it's a hack question. And the proof that it's hack is that Schimmel was doing it in the 80s, for Christ's sake. No kidding. <laughs> so next time you think of asking me that, don't. It's been done. We got it. <laughs> Um, but yeah, I thought that was a great joke and that made me laugh. Obviously I had some personal connection to it. So I think that's when I went down the uh, rabbit hole of Schimmel and found the clip of him shitting on his wife's front lawn. (laughs) But, um, so now let's play the, uh, chemotherapy clip because, uh, you know, the eighties stuff was a lot of that. There was some personal stories, some observational stuff, that sort of thing. Um, but I think, his, uh, you know, swan song, for lack of a better term, was, uh, I believe the special was called Life Since Then, um, which was his last special, came out in 2008. And he talks a lot about having cancer and um, dealing with his kids growing up and things like that. And I think it was maybe his most personal special, I thought. And uh, this is a, a bit from that. I remember the first day I went to uh, chemotherapy, uh, I walked into the infusion center and it's, it's staggering the first time you go in there. Um, you know that, that poster, The Evolution of Man? It's like that in reverse. I walk in and I look pretty much like I do now. And then I look down the beds and I see people losing their hair, people really sick, and that's what I'm gonna be turning into. And I sat down on the seat, they're hooking me up for the IV, and there's a guy next to me, and I said, uh, how you doing? He said, how do you think I'm doing? I have cancer. 
I said, me too. He said, good for you. <laughs> wow, how many more of these treatments do I have? So the nurse comes over and says, Robert, you know what? Change your seat. This guy's got a bad attitude. You don't need to be around that. He's angry at the world. You know, you need all your energy to stay positive. And I couldn't change my seat because I had to know what made him turn into that because I didn't want to become him. And I felt challenged to make him laugh, no matter how shitty the circumstances were. So I sat down and I said, did you go to any support group meetings? And he said, nah, I don't believe in that shit. I don't want to hear people piss and moan about their problems. I got my own thing. And I said, well, I went last night because, uh, you know, I wanted to be prepared for today. And uh, there was a lady that was there and she was crying and she said, you know, I'm gonna lose one of my breasts and I, I'm afraid my husband's not gonna find me sexy anymore. And I said, I was looking at this lady thinking, you wouldn't be sexy with three tits. <laughs> and this guy fell out of his fucking chair. <laughs> this guy. It's true. My treatments were every 21 days. 21 days later, I go back for my next chemo. That guy was saving a seat for me and told me dirty jokes for four hours. <laughs> and when I did my first show after that, he was front row at my first show. It was really fucking cool. It really was. Yeah, so I think like all the, the shit that happened in his life culminated in what I think was his best special. Um, and he was nearing 60 when he did it, which is pretty rare to have your, you know, again, maybe it's not if you're a diehard Schimmel fan, maybe you'll correct me, um, and say, you know, unprotected is better or something like that. But, uh, I think it's pretty rare to have such a great special in your, you know, late fifties. Uh, by the way, shame on me for not telling this earlier in the podcast, uh, what is, which is one of my favorite it's not even really a Robert Schimmel story as much as it, as it is a Dan Ninen story, but I want to shoehorn it in here. Um, do you remember Dan Ninen, Craig? I remember the name recently. We, we, yeah, we talked about him in the uh, joke stealing episode with Russell. Yes, Peters, yes, 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 he, yes. He did more than steal his joke. He almost stole like Russell Peters identity. Right, right. But Dan Ninen, very bad guy, very weird guy. We'll have to do an episode on him at some point, maybe. Um, but Robert Schimmel was one of his victims. So, uh, if you don't remember Dan Ninen, he was a guy and what he did with Russell Peters and Mark Marin was, um, send these like emails to clubs and say, Hey, uh, this is Russell Peters manager. Um, I, Russell, uh, you know, I, I don't know if he alerted you guys, but he likes to bring this kid Dan Ninen on the road to open for him. And the club would say, all right, I don't give a fuck. And Russell Peters would show up and this guy would be there. And he's like, oh, okay, this guy's opening for me. Then Russell Peters is in a few different cities. And he's like, well, how come everywhere I go, this Dan Ninen guy is opening for me? <laughs> and sure enough, he figured it out. And uh, another thing Ninen did is bought... Russell Peters with one L.com. Um, Marin talks about Dan Ninen because Dan sent some email like berating Marin. So Schimmel was one of his victims in these little schemes he would run. Like he would open for Robert Schimmel a bunch on the road. And when Robert Schimmel died, and by the way, 
Bob Schimmel's death was not a pleasant experience. Not he didn't live a life and then you know peacefully died of old age. So we'll talk about that in a minute. But Dan Nynan sent an email to Bob Schimmel's brother, just berating him and saying uh, what a shitty person Bob Schimmel was, and he never laughed at any of Dan's jokes and all these things. So Schimmel on the Dan Nynan hit list, uh, I guess you could put as one of his credits in his career. That definitely needs an episode. Dan, I'm a very weird guy, but yeah, I, I wish I could find more on that. The best I could find was like Nick Mullen um, and a couple other guys talking about it. I couldn't find Schimmel ever addressing it or anything, but yeah, evidently he would, you know, email these clubs and say, Hey, Robert Schimmel wants me to open for him. And Schimmel just one day was like, I feel like I know this guy. Wasn't he in Washington DC or something? <laughs> yeah. We're in Tallahassee. It's very weird. What are the odds? <laughs> um, all right. So uh, we got a couple more stand-up clips, right? Yep. Um, from one of his late night shows. Uh, what's this one titled? Siegfried and Roy. Oh, yeah. So this is, by the way, was a big topic at the time. Do you, do you remember that at all? Do I remember them or the- that story? Yes. Yes. Uh, Siegfried and Roy got attacked by their tiger. It was very uh, tragic. But I remember that being a big news story at the time. And so this was uh, Schimmel on Conan, actually, like we talked about earlier. Well, they do. They told the story that some lady in the audience had a weird hairdo, and that's why the tiger attacked Roy. I mean, I'm not an authority on tigers, but I have a different theory. Like, it's a wild animal, and they belong in the jungle and not loose on stage. You know, tigers in the jungle have to hunt their prey and catch them and kill them and drag them off. In Vegas, the tiger can sit on his ass, and the prey will walk right up to him. And he said the tiger wasn't trying to attack Roy, he was trying to protect him. Yeah. Here, why don't you hide in my stomach? So, uh... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, all right. And then uh, we'll play one last clip before we uh, get out of here. This is uh, the SeaWorld one, right? Yep. All right, so let's see. Uh, he takes his daughter to SeaWorld. This is a, another great bit. And again, I feel like, I hope I did a good job kind of putting in an eclectic mix of Schimmel's jokes. Like, he really wasn't a one-note guy, which I feel like is a little rare for, uh, you know, just kind of a road comic. Yeah. You know, like, um, I'm not comparing him to David Tell. I don't think he's anywhere near the comedian that Tell is. But it tells like that, where you couldn't put a tell in a box categorically. You know what I mean? Like he talks about a bunch of different weird shit. And I think Schimmel was, you know, to a much smaller extent, kind of like that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, SeaWorld you want, right? Yeah. And so, you know, I took my kids. She wanted to swim with dolphins. She saw this thing, swim with the dolphins. Well, first of all, you don't get to swim with them. You got to stand like that. Because if you move, they think you're food. So you have to wait on a list. It's like six months. I mean, people are getting liver transplants before you get to swim with a dolphin. And it's true. You get a beeper. Where it goes off, you got like six hours to get to SeaWorld. So we get to this place. It's a lot of money. And I tell my daughter, look, why don't you walk near the edge of the pool and I'll push you. You fall in. Swim out there, pet them a couple of times, and then scream for help. You know, because they'll pull you out. You get free T-shirts, free you know pictures, everything. So she doesn't want to do it like that. My wife says, "Bob, you're her dad. You're supposed to set some kind of example." So I slip and fall in there. <laughs> <laughs> 
So, uh, yeah. So, like I said, he can be completely filthy or just have kind of like an innocent dad joke like that. Um, so, yeah, I, I like Robert Schimmel a lot. And I was pleasantly surprised that he wasn't a guy that I liked when I was a kid. And then when I watched his stuff as when I got older, I was like, oh, I don't really, I don't, I don't know why I liked this. Like, uh, you know, about, we mentioned Pablo Francisco earlier. He's a guy like that. Right. I loved Pablo Francisco when I was a kid because he did, you know, crazy voices and sounds and all this shit. Yeah. And, you know, when I watch him as an adult, I'm like, oh, okay, never mind. We got <laughs> I have it. no interest in this. Yeah. Um, so I was pleasantly surprised to find out that Schimmel was not one of those guys. But so we talked about all this tragedy in his life. I personally am was uh, happy to find that, you know, he beat cancer. He did beat cancer, but <laughs> we mentioned all the tragedy in his life. And you almost wonder if cancer would have been a better way to go uh, because Robert Schimmel died in 2010. And here's the crazy part. Uh, I thought he died. He called into Stern saying he was on the wait list for a liver transplant for the cirrhosis that he was diagnosed with. So I kind of thought that's how he died. I didn't realize he died in a horrible car accident where his daughter was driving and, uh, you know, tried to a little defensive driving where she uh, got T-boned by another car and the car ended up flipping over. It was a horrible accident. Uh, his son was in the backseat and survived. He didn't get his hurt. What's that? He didn't even get hurt. Well, the son didn't get hurt at all. No, un- unharmed. Yeah. Well, uh, his daughter didn't do so well. Lost her, by the way, 19 and her name was Aaliyah. So don't name your daughters Aaliyah, folks. It's not going to be a pretty end. Um, But uh, Schimmel obviously died uh, in that accident. He hung on for a couple of days. Um, I think they brought him to the hospital and he died like two days later, which must have been absolutely brutal. Horrible. But it's it's insane. It's almost like a it almost feels like a shimmel punchline where he survived a heart attack, lung cancer, cirrhosis. I'm not lung cancer, uh, non-Hodgkin's lymphoma, losing a testicle, chemotherapy, all this stuff. And then he dies in a car accident. It's crazy. That's a terrible way to go. And, you know, I think the saddest part is that his daughter went also, obviously, um, he had f- five kids, I believe he was survived. There's six kids total and, uh, five, obviously when he passed. Um, so that's obviously the saddest part, but you know, then just from a comedy perspective, a thing that stands out to you, like this is right in the middle. 2010 is right in the middle of Geraldo and Patrice dying. Geraldo in 09 and Patrice in 2011. Now I think both of those guys are a lot better comics than Schimmel. I think they're a lot funnier, but it is. It just kind of speaks to the, you know, flying under the radar, completely unknown career that Schimmel had. And I think there are pockets, particularly Stern fans, will listen to this episode and go, what are you talking about? I knew Robert Schimmel. But that's about it. Like, I don't think other pockets of uh, the world really knew who Robert Schimmel was. And then even in his death where, like, you know, Geraldo had a documentary made about him. Patrice has obviously had benefits. And I think... Not so much Geraldo, but Patrice has almost gotten more popular in death than he was in life. But Schimmel's death at the time, I don't even... And I was old enough. I was like 19 when he died. I don't remember that even really being a blip. I don't remember anyone talking about it. Um, So, you know, kind of a a sad career, but you can always go back and, you know, discover him on YouTube, which was the point of this episode, I guess. So, Mm. uh, what's your grade, Craig, after listening to him? You a fan of Schimmel? 
Oh, I, I like I like the because uh, he's also kind of deadpan too. You very yeah, which I, I I think is a good combo for, especially when you don't know what's coming. So he could right. just say like a joke, or you could say something horrible, like you know. Yeah, there's a little Stephen Wright in there almost. Yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, you know, if you like the episode, then hopefully you go down a shimmel rabbit hole because um, there's plenty out there. Like I said, I would check out his special um, Life Since Then, which I think is entirely on YouTube. It's in parts, but you can find yeah. it all. Um, it doesn't appear that Aaliyah died from this car accident, actually. Oh, no? No. Oh, thank you. I know she was horribly injured. She was definitely injured, but uh, it looks like she had a, a message after... He was dead already, but she posted a right. message... Um, I don't know if I can, yeah, I can't. Oh, well, thank God you called me out on that. Cause I'd hate to leave on that note. <laughs> See everyone. I look stuff up. The <laughs> <laughs> Excellent work. <laughs> Round of applause, everybody. <laughs> um, oh, that's interesting because then maybe I'm just off on the number of kids he had. He lost I his thought son. He had, I thought he had six kids total and every news report I saw said survived by his five children. Uh, his son Derek died of leukemia. Oh, right. Of course. I'm a fucking idiot. <laughs> 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 I like that I'm just doing, I'm, I'm counting her out based on math. I'm like, well, she was dead. <laughs> Still watch the Aaliyah name though. I think that stands. So well, at least I got a good joke out of it, even though it wasn't accurate. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, shout out Aaliyah Schimmel. I'm sorry for reporting your death. <laughs> I hope that gets clipped and she gets tagged in it. <laughs> <laughs> I hope not. Um, all right, everybody. Uh, so rest in peace, Robert Schimmel. Aaliyah Schimmel lives on. And uh, we will talk to you guys next week on Why Are You Laughing? Wow. up to that um boy it's really exciting for me to be here um you know uh, a lot's happened since the last time i shot a, a comedy special um i got my own tv show then i got cancer ah i got you <laughs> nothing's that good in my life don't jump in like that so i got cancer then i lost the tv show and i lost the ball not to cancer, my insurance has a fucked up copay. And, uh, and I met my soulmate. And then I lost my wife when she found out about the soulmate. And then she sued me for divorce. And then I lost the house. And now I'm remarried. But more than that, I'm back. I'm back eight years. Thank you.